Good morning, listeners. My name is Eric Joubert, and this is episode one of the creativebrother.org podcast series. Thank you for, for joining in. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to get better as, <laughs> as I do more episodes, but this is the first one, so let's just try to power through it. It's just going to be an introduction to, <coughs> excuse me, Creative Brother, uh, why it exists, who, who I am and all of that, and it's just going to serve as the introduction to the podcast series. So again, welcome. Thank you for joining in. I hope that when this is all over, you you feel as though you didn't waste your few minutes. <laughs> so let's start with who is the creative brother? You came to my podcast. You've seen the moniker. You see the beautiful logo with the bull on the hill. Um, <laughs> that is what I saw every day. I grew up um, in a little town in between Houston and Galveston. Um, about 23 miles from Houston, about 35 miles from Galveston. So not quite halfway, but close. It's quicker, a lot faster to get to downtown Houston than it was to get to Galveston. But nonetheless, um, that's where I grew up. And I grew up right next to um, a cow pasture in the woods. And two doors down from my house was a big creek. And I mean a big one with critters and stuff, <laughs> creek critters and big fish. So that's that was my growing up, you know, uh, country boy. But I call it small town boy because you're, you're, you're really close to the city and close to the beach. Really, we grew up on uh, what is Galveston Bay, about five miles from the bay. If you left my house and drove straight, you run straight into Galveston Bay. OK, so that's my upbringing. And that's why you see that logo. Um, I spent my summers um, in the country, in uh, Brenham, Texas area, in Washington County, uh, uh, being a country boy. And what you see is the logo is what I saw every morning growing up is some sort of bull, either the latest baby bull or a, grown, a full grown one looking at me. So that just gives me good feelings when I see it. And it's representative of me, okay? Everything I know, I learned from both people and animals because you come out of my house and I don't know how many steps it took, but I could be in that cow pasture and in the woods just like that, hunting, fishing, observing. I, I, I take the G's off. <laughs> so you're going to if you know me or you listen to me, you're going to always hear me reference people and animals. Um, a lot of what I do deals with animals. I have an animal. Uh, a new animal feed business that I'm starting up in January 2021 called DuckFoodUSA.com. Go, go check it out. It's going to be great. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of my references and solutions come from observing both people and the animal world. And the animal world is rich, actually more rich. You can learn a lot more from the animals than you can from people. Okay. People tend to kind of, we tend to gravitate around the same things. So if you see it once, you're going to see it a billion times. All right. My professional life is all STEM. You know, I'm from down the street from NASA, Houston. So in, at night growing up, I thought I was seeing space stuff. I thought I was seeing, you know, uh, 
aliens. And, you know, I guess when I called NASA at 3 in the morning, hey, I'm seeing a, a satellite. It was, it was satellites, so they said. But I'm thinking I'm seeing spaceships. I'm calling NASA. They're 9, 10 years old. Oh, what's, what's happening? They're like, oh, yeah, you're so cute. Go to bed. <laughs> a satellite. And I'm like, no, this thing is not moving like a satellite. I honestly believe I saw stuff that they, you know, anyway, I won't, that's another podcast. But yes, so NASA mentored me and all of that and a lot of the technologies you deal with today, like Siri and all of that, I touched that stuff as a youngster, very young, 18, 19, while I was going to college and all of that and letting my knee heal up. So at the end of the day, um, I have, I'm, I'm a STEM person. I'm 58 now, all STEM and business. My business career came after I did so much. I got my son uh, in divorce and I needed to start over. So I started over, started a company and I've been doing that for about 15, 16 years. And it's basically when you start off as a STEM person in NASA, FAA, everything but nuclear uh, uh, and, and pure construction, you're a solutions and problem solving person. So to get into business uh, and environmental services and food and all these things that I do, they're just problem solving businesses. Same thing, same thing. So my two careers were systems engineering technology systems, hardware, software, and data, hardcore. And project management, hardcore. I mean, I'm talking about you know, building space stuff um, weather systems, oil and gas, I mean, everything but nuclear and pure construction. Um, that, that's my hardcore background. So there it is. That's the start. Now, who is the creative brother? <laughs> People have been asking me, who, what is this creative brother thing? And I tell them, well, I've always been called a creative brother, uh, from a child. Because I'm old enough that when they brought out hefty trash bags, I don't know, I was maybe 10, 8, 9, 10. I'm the oldest of four. I just started making uh, parachutes out of them, different sizes for my siblings. And of course, back then, the, the Dollar General stores were really, really, really popular, more than they are even now. Imagine that. So, you know, and I had the army men, right? The bag, what, the bag of 100 army men for a dollar? maybe 50 cents. I just put the army men with the parachutes and taught people how to put rocks in them and throw them in the air really high. And I ended up with a business. I ended up making three sizes parachutes. I sold candy. Uh, I took my lunch money and went to, and bought candy before school and sold my candy for three times the price. Everybody had to buy it because you couldn't leave school. You know, so I've been in business my whole life. I've been a solutions person my whole life, my entire life. And you don't know that when you're a child, you just do it. You don't have a, you know, a description. Oh, Eric, what are you doing? Uh, well, I'm selling parachutes. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm making bikes from scrap from the scrapyards. I became, I did that. I became good friends with the scrapyard owners and they gave me free bike and uh, mini bike stuff. And I made bikes and made a deal with, uh, with Western Auto to get parts. And they had me on an account. I had an account there. I paid them once a week. I mean, you know, imagine what you can do when you don't know you're not supposed to be able to do it. <laughs> Point is, don't tell kids what they can't do because you're just curtailing them their whole lives. Tell them what they can do and then watch them thrive. 
And that's anyone, anyone. Never tell a person what they can't do before they try. All right? So what is the creativebrother.org? I've always been called a creative brother. Man, you're a creative brother. You're a creative brother. I've been hearing that my entire life. So when I created, when I established creativebrother.org, it just came to me when I was putting this together. And creative brother, the think and do tank, you know, you hear that term think tank, you know, we have a think tank. Like, what do you do over there? When you, what, what is this thinking stuff? Who's doing what you think up? So that's what I did here. I decided to put a, a wall around my thoughts and, you know, let's put a wall around it. Let's organize it and call it a think and do tank. The do part comes in where, you know, you think up uh, creative solutions to uh, lingering societal issues that you, you know, we all know what these things are. You know, this reparations <laughs> for, for, for the descendants of black slaves. All Americans are familiar with that. Okay. All except for babies. Who's going to do something about it? Finally, all this talking. Here's what we should do. Here's what we should do. Oh, here's what we should do. Talky, talky, talky people. Okay. I have a solution and I'm going to execute on it. Okay. Um, so that's what Creative Brother is. It is pretty much the, the mission objective is to solve society's long lingering societal issues and either execute the, the plan or work with others who would. That's it. Now, it's more than that right so when you see the published works the I have two published works and two right now two unpublished works two planned the first one that I did was <clears throat> failure of the, of the USA and states to guarantee all citizens 14th amendment rights go have a read there my solutions are what others have not put forth now there are millions of us in on on earth, right? So it's really hard to say I, I've done something for the first time because you don't know, you really don't know that. So what it comes down to is, is what has been, what, what can be found that has been done. My solutions that I am putting forth are um, unique, but it, basically what they come down to is, is it's what has been put forth and what's going to be executed. Plenty of folks are talking about doing stuff. But what is being put forth? So on the first one, problem analysis, failure of the USA and the states to guarantee all citizens 14th Amendment rights. I lay out, I use the problem analysis format that comes out of technology and engineering. A problem analysis is what you do when you're in the middle of a project and you have a problem that has arisen, you know, or a series of them. You, you take a very terse perspective on solving it. Lay out, you know, what the problem is. Identify the problem. Then you lay out what the impacts are from the problem. Right? right? And in a project environment, there's three sorts of impacts. There's the, you know, the schedule impact, the money impact, and then the impact on resources. Right? So you break them down and get detailed on the impacts. And then you lay out the corrective actions. 
detail for each impact. You lay out, you know, what the problems are, and then you lay out a corrective action, corrective act for each for each impact. Okay? And then you lay out who's going to do it, who's responsible. Then after that, time constraints, because, you know, we just don't have unlimited time and money in business, right? So you lay out the time constraints and, you know, you get going. There it is. It's a plan, plan of action. So I took that format and I laid it down for what I'm doing with Creative Brother. Because if you do a problem analysis and you lay out the, you know, the, the, the corrective actions, you feel good about things. You feel better than you do um, if you're in the middle of a battle in the, in the military and you have to lay out that same plan of action. You do it in the middle of war, too, just faster, <laughs> right? <laughs> you got to get going. They're shooting at us. We don't have all day here. Okay, so that's basically what it is, a plan of action. And then either I execute it with the people that I, that I um, recruit or... You go and you read it, you find it, and you do it. And maybe you contact me since I'm the visionary of the plan and you want my participation in some way or you just read it and you go take it and you go do it. You modify your, the plan. But here's a little thing about modifying somebody's plan. Typically, you just blew your success uh, uh, opportunity. People go and modifying other people's plans now you have something different. And more than likely, it's not going to work. So let me put that into my introduction. Don't modify people's plans. Execute or create a, di a different plan that you did. Because otherwise, the plan that the visionary created needs to be executed in the way that it was planned. Now, plans change. That's a different thing. But I'm in the planning business, okay, with about... Oh, 30-something years of experience doing planning, putting plans together and executing. <clears throat> and when you bring somebody else in and they change the plan of the visionary, you have a new plan, okay? Simple. You change the plan, you have a new one. Take that and put that into your pipe and smoke that, okay? <laughs> there it is. So, the, the works that have been published... I published the first one, The Failure of the USA and States to Guarantee All Citizens' 14th Amendment Rights. That's a, that's, that's a significant piece of work. Of course, at the end of it, there's an action plan. Go and have a read, please. The one I just published, like yesterday, and yesterday would be October 16th, 2020. It is the problem analysis, and it, it's called the Office of Redress Administration for Japanese American citizens, lessons learned for the U.S. descendants of freed African slaves. And what it is, is pretty much a problem analysis of what, the, what our Japanese uh, citizen brothers and sisters did to get their redress for being illegally uh, interned in World War II. They got it done. Let me tell you, I cried so much preparing for that analysis, reading Mr. Taki, uh, Takeishi's book, um, the Redress book, um, and just doing all the research and researching everything to do with slavery and making my making my uh, assertion on what is the best, what's the best way to go about getting 
reparations for the descendants of, of captive, captive and enslaved black Americans. My soul is so clear now, I can see the bottom of it. It's so clear. I have been there. And what I would like for you guys to do <clears throat> is just go have a read. It's 17 pages if you print it off. A problem analysis is not supposed to be that long. <laughs> but, you know, we're not talking about an engineering issue here. And um, I had to do some stuff. I had to, what I did is what came. I mean, this is what came. This, this, you, you don't know what's going, what you're going to end up with. So go have a read. And on that one, I'm going to have to execute that one. So I'm going to build a team. And uh, we're going to have to go for that one. Now, the deal with that one is, is that others, other selective others should do it, too, should go for it. Um, it's 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 big. And the way I went about making my decision on the path forward takes into account history because a person that forgets or doesn't know the past is condemned to repeat it. Put that into your pipe and smoke that too. <laughs> okay? So there it is. There's my introduction to the creativebrother.org uh, Think and Do Tank. Thank you for listening. I would like for you to have an, an open and honest perspective on this and uh, just understand that whether or not you're a supporter, a friend, a rival, an enemy, or otherwise. Um, Eric, the creative brother, uh, respects your opinion, but at the same time, doesn't really take everything that people say into consideration. I was not really good. I flunked all the tests when it came down to seeking the approval of others. I scored really low on seeking the approval of others. <laughs> so any rival, opponent, and enemy, anything that you say, I might listen to it. Because what I've learned in my 58, almost 59 years is that people can have an element of truth in what they say to you if you listen, if you care to listen. A lot of it is hooey and nonsense, but I've learned to listen not just wait my turn to talk. Thanks so much, everybody. You have a fantastic Saturday morning and come back and, and look for more episodes. Thank you. Have a great day.